selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You know, <laughs> okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash book club. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus celebrity book club Oh, Marula, I'm terribly excited that we've come to Toronto on holiday. It's so lovely to take in the shows, and, and they really do have a, a bustling little theater district Mom, here. I'm really quite excited. Mom, is that Obi-Wan Kenobi? Oh, dear. Oh, can I say hi? Can I say hi? Must I suffer this eternity? Are you Obi-Wan Kenobi, the wise man, Obi-Wan from Star Wars? You are my father. Uh, um... Hi, hi there, young boy. Um, Will you sign my lightsaber? I've watched Star Wars over 20 million times. My mommy lets me watch it when I finish my homework. Even sometimes when I haven't finished my homework. Uh, We're going to go to Star Wars in full of Star Wars celebration in Florida next summer for my holiday, and I want to watch it every day. Oh, dear. What a dreadful, dreadful place to go on holiday. What's your name? David. David, David. I'm six years old and three quarters, and I'm four one. Well, spare me the mathematics. Listen, David, let me give you a little bit of a mission, all right? You think you can go on a mission for me? Yes, Obi-Wan, anything for you. I'm your Luke Skywalker. Wonderful, okay. Here's your mission. So you're familiar with the film Star Wars? Of course, it's my favorite movie, even more than Wreck-It Ralph 2. Yes, okay. Well, your mission is you are never to see that film ever again. What, Obi-Wan? And perhaps one day you will be sound of mind and you can put your attention towards something a bit more mature, a bit more cultured, a bit more worldly that will actually give you a bit of strength to deal with this great wide world out there and not the fantasy one of children that you seem to be living in. I don't don't understand, Obi-Wan. You don't want to watch Star Wars anymore? (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, God, I've made him cry. Mommy, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, just give me the bloody lightsaber. I'll sign it for you. Twat. Oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. Let's go, David. We have to get the Sky Train. But he hasn't signed my lightsaber yet. In my day, children wed Faulkner. that knocking at the door it's all your friends you filthy whore your husband's gone and we've got books and a bottle of wine to kill it's hollywood it's books it's gossip i'm shook it's memoirs it's martinis it's studio 54 it's celebrity book club come read it while it's hot celebrity book club tell your secrets we won't talk celebrity book club no boys are allowed celebrity book club Club. Buzz me in, I brought the Cuervo. Hey, hello, best, best friend. Oh, hello, dear mate, chum, <laughs> old 
chap. My dearest chum, it has been several decades, but it's good to see you looking fit as a fiddle, despite having lost an eye. <laughs> you look absolutely well, even though you are 102. And I think the last time we saw each other was on a, a play we did for a Norwegian cruise ship in 1961. Was it Macbeth? <laughs> Dear, I believe it was King Lear, but of course I can't remember anything anymore because I'm 305 years old. You do look well, though. Thank you so much. You, you also look... Tan? I mean, do you want to say it, but you can't? <laughs> yeah, there's a refreshness, kind of like you've come out of a long sleep like a bear, like yeah. a thin bear. <laughs> <laughs> An otter one might say, you look very refreshed as well. You look like you've been doing a lot of light regional trips. Yeah, no, a lot of light regional trips. I should be tan, I hope. I got just got back from four days and... The famous Fire Island, so. And were you beaching? Yeah, imagine if I wasn't. Well, <laughs> but I mean, were you being like 10 a.m., we're going out, we're lying out, you're slathering? Well, the house had like a pool, and you're going to hear all about that in the VIP lounge, as well as why Stephen is tan and that mystery. But it was like waking up, coffee, opening the screen door, pool. Mm. Then getting in the pool, getting on a float, being so the idol, sunglasses, Putting on suntan lotion, swimming in the pool, and then, like, getting my beach chair and, like, walking to the beach and, like, being at the beach and, like, getting the ocean. But also, like, staying under the umbrella because, you know, my skin can be a bit fair. Right. The Irish side. I was definitely more this year being like, okay, we're getting older. We I need to be more wearing my infamous Gap linen shirt that I bought for the Roni premiere. Mm-hmm. When I'm out of the water. Your emergency premiere shirt. <laughs> That's becoming more of it, you know, to cover my cover skin. Up. I feel like now at my age, I'm getting a little bit more like, you know what? Like, the worst is over. Let's, like, fuck the sunscreen. It's time to be, like tan mom. <laughs> Wait, so were you doing like no sunscreen on like a Cypress 100 degree beach? I was like only applying once and then like not even doing my full face. Just doing like nose and like crow's feet. Wow. Nose then crow's <laughs> feet but not cheek. <laughs> well and then, and then like frown lines but I was being very like an anti-wrinkle but like not, <laughs> not the it rest actually, of it. It sounds so like war paint. You're like lying here. Like yeah. lying yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> Like, frown lines, crow's feet, 11's nose, done. But then, like, not doing cheeks, so your forehead and your cheeks, like, do get that beautiful tan glow. I guess you have a beard also. So do beards, like, cover the <laughs> do, sun? Do. Not to pry. <laughs> like, if you have facial hair, like, does it cover? You know what? Like, thank you for asking that question we because we don't talk enough. about it enough. Hair will cover skin when it is on skin. <laughs> For example, like your scalp doesn't burn, right? When you when you're out <laughs> under no. the harsh light of the sun. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so it will cover the parts where it is for sure. So I usually don't have to rub it into my beard, but anyway, welcome back. It's been weeks. What three weeks? <laughs> it's been three weeks since we've spoken and we're both so different. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I actually tried to reach you. And <laughs> um, I was in a lot of different time zones. And yeah, I was just sort of like when I was in Balsano and I was in Northern Italy, the sort of German speaking part, I was speaking German. And then I was in Turkish Cyprus and then I was in Greek Cyprus. And because of all the languages, I just didn't want to be triggered, like talking to someone who only speaks English. It was going to like actually make me really nervous. Right, and then all of a sudden you're like this nervous mom at the airport because, like, you've heard my American voice. Your Irish twang. <laughs> and you're like, oh, all of a sudden I have to go to Costco yeah. because I talked to Lily. I'm craving McDonald's. Right, and I was trying to be so chic and <laughs> Cyprus, which did also have McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's so not that I, you know, I want you to live in Cyprus forever if you want to, but it's cool to see you back on... Um, U.S. soil. <laughs> you know what? Coming back, I was so embarrassed for our country. Like, when you go through customs at JFK, mm. it, it's like the drop ceilings, the fluorescent lighting. There's, like, discarded, like, non-working kiosks just, like, thrown up against a wall, like, turned over benches, like, little just garbage in the hallways. Like... The ceilings are so low. You're there with like 1,800 people. And this is the welcome we give foreigners at our like premier airport, like the doorway to America. Like 
it's mortifying. And then there's like printout sheets like taped up to the wall just being like, staff this way. Like, it's like, I feel like I'm in like a low budget elementary school. I just think, I mean, JFK is a shit show. And like now that LaGuardia got its facelift, like, I'm sorry, JFK is the runt of the pack. And like, she needs to step her pussy up. And then that's like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not slaying the game. Um, Anyway, isn't it so crazy? We have all these shows coming up, Steven. Oh my God. Yeah. So if you like us, you should see us live in person, bitch, on the West Coast and the East Coast. Lily, tell them those cities. Ooh, Portland first, then Seattle. Then San Francisco, in honor of Tony Bennett's life. Then living, laughing, loving, trying, breathing, Los Angeles. Then we're back in NYC. I don't know, honestly, which city I'm most excited for. Have you ever been to Portland or Seattle? Because I haven't. I've never been to Portland, which is like insane because it's just like the biggest like joke about like white people ever. And like we're literally white. White. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's going to be iconic. I mean, Seattle, I have been to, you know, my ex was from Bellingham. So I did go out in Seattle and it was like giving DC in this way. And it was just like so straight and like vest and like everyone was such a like male lesbian. So like, I mean, I'm so excited to go back and you know, I love Frasier. Right. (laughs) We love the 90s and I'm definitely like getting to get off the plane and like expect to see Eddie Vedder and just like you think it's going to be so like punk and grunge and just like (laughs) coffee and like checkered skirts and skateboards and everyone's so Daria. (laughs) And we're going to instantly be like jamming. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to disabuse you of that notion because I hope that it does come true. I definitely will not because it's a fucking Amazon hub But also I'm like excited to go to Amazon HQ and like intern no. for a day. No, that's uh, honestly, I am excited to do like our Amazon like birthright tour and we're just being like, <laughs> wait, I order from here all the time. I'm obsessed with your website. I want to go see the home of my favorite website. So come see us 97 and 99. And then 9-11, how are you celebrating? Seeing us in San Francisco with Brontes Purnell. Literally talk about rocker. Anyway, buy tickets now. Like, don't be insane. <laughs> yeah, literally don't be insane. Um, um, we need to get to the book. You guys, we read a book. I read a book on the hot, hot beaches of Cyprus surrounded by pasty British holidaymakers. <laughs> Stephen, would you tell us how we picked this book? Because people are always asking us, how do you guys pick the books? Yeah, and a lot of the time it's always like, well, this is the book, you know, that was lying around or... You know, now we're getting a little bit more of the Harper Collinses are like sending us books every week. And we're always being like, oh, my God, thank you. I'm so excited to read like this one random woman from like Salt Lake City, <laughs> Real Housewives' <laughs> book that we will get to eventually. But this, I was on Nantucket. I was at what they call the Madikit Mall, which is the dump. And there's a little shack called the Take It or Leave It Shack. And people take things and they leave things for you to take. So I was perusing the Take It or Leave It. And what do I find but a celebrity memoir? Uh Uh-oh. And I was like, well, I'm just going to grab this. And then, of course, it ended up being the only book that was, like, small enough to fit up in my bag. So I just kind of was like, whatever, I'm taking this to Europe. I have it. I already started reading it. And I told you, like, while I was already in, like, Italy, just being like, bitch, this is the only book I have. Find it. (laughs) Yeah, which is also very you. Like, we're texting definitely the entire time during Europe. But, like, no telling me before. Because I was like, oh, we should figure out what book we're reading. And you go, Lily, that's the last thing we need to do. <laughs> I was like, stop <laughs> fucking killing the romance of my trip. Like, I'm literally trying to be spontaneous for once. And you're like, oh, little, little Miss fucking spreadsheet over here. <laughs> trying to excel my vacation to death. So you told me what to do. And I did go to my favorite website, Amazon.com. <laughs> and it came in two days. We read none other than one of the most famous actors of the stage in England and film. A true legendary actor who has been in many of what the American Film Institute has termed the greatest films of the century. His career spans decades and decades and decades. Ever heard of a little film called Lawrence of Arabia? Ever heard of a little film called Star Wars? Star Wars. Bridge on the River Kwai. Dr. Zivago. We, of course, are talking about none other than Sir Alec, Alec Guinness. Guinness. And his beautiful... His last book. His final book, A Positively Final, final appearance. appearance. And it's sort of a reference to, like, you know, how um, they would always have, like, ads in local theater troops around Europe being like, this famous actor is going to make his possibly final appearance. And then, you know, inevitably they end up in another production six months mm. later. <laughs> 
<laughs> of course. So it's a sort of cheeky theater reference there in the title. But I mean, what a book. What it was a real romp. A book. So the book before it, I think, was his like quote unquote memoir. And this is a little more of like his diaries. And it's these beautiful little essays. Mm. It's my favorite kind of book because it's like you can pick it anywhere and read an essay. But you should probably go start to finish. But like they're all sort of taking place at the late 90s. And he died only a few years later. And it's like his like observations about the politics of the time and like war and Tony Blair and Clinton, but also intermixing that with just being like, and I am on the veranda looking at the blackbirds and their nest has been infiltrated by the crows as Marula knits on our bench and our dog Japheth is getting up in age. <laughs> oh, Japheth had a problem in his hind leg. Yeah, in a way it's a coffee table book, but it's not a coffee table book. And like, since he is so like old and like of the stage and so like a classy, like the snobbiest British man ever, like you kind of are like, is this written in the 60s? Because he's being like, I was seated next to Greta Garbo. But you actually have to remember that all those silent film stars just did keep on living, and they're just, like, all 90 getting lunch together. So, question to you. What was your sort of relationship to Alec Guinness before we read this book? Because I know that you famously hate fantasy films, and you're just like, I'm never going to watch Star Wars. Like, that's so nerdy. That's so Legos. I think it also became my thing. Kind of like how you, like, won't see Succession. Yes, Then yes, it became my thing yes. of, like, I'm not going to see Star Wars, and it's, like, actually ridiculous, and I'm just, like, so cool, and I watch more, like, Auntie Mame and, like, Sunset Boulevard, but, like, not Star Wars. But it's also weird, because my parents were, like, obsessed with showing me, like, they would watch Lawrence of Arabia all the time. Right, <laughs> just weekly. So that was more my relationship <laughs> with Sir Alec Guinness. Just, like, okay, my parents are watching a five-hour movie. <laughs> And so that's weird that they weren't like, okay, you should see Star Wars. Yeah, but if you were really a fan of Alec Guinness, much like Alec Guinness himself, you kind of think of Star Wars as the aberration in the career, and you're like, oh, he has all these incredibly important roles, and Star Wars is just, you know, claptrap is just blockbuster claptrap. Exactly. So, yeah, one of the funniest parts of this book is when he talks about the first time, like, a boy coming up to him and, like, asking for an autograph and him literally telling him to never watch Star Wars again. <laughs> okay, so Alganus is also, like, a late-in-life Catholic. He's, like, so Dasha. He's, he's like, <laughs> <being> so, like... <laughs> no, yeah, he's, like, a downtown, like, trad cast. <laughs> and, like, at the end of the book, he's so, like, my only regret is not becoming Catholic sooner. I wrote that down. I was just like, not you. No, he's so obsessed with his Catholicism and he's so just like, a man's religious beliefs are the only thing that gets harder with age. (laughs) (laughs) And so there's this moment where he's always being like, and it was Ash Wednesday and we were walking through a gorgeous surly garden where the ravens crowed and the petunias had flowed up. So Marula, my wife of 70 years, picks up and then we sat in church and a man whispered to me, my father is a huge fan of yours. <laughs> and he like snaps back at him and he's like, not in church. But then at the end of service, he asked where the father is. At the back in the wheelchair. <laughs> and then I took him warmly by the hand and made one or two fatuous inquiries. He suddenly said the dreaded words, Star Wars. Oh, uh, um, I said, but I kept up my smile. Obi-Wan Kenobi, he nodded at me, and for good measure, may the force be with you. And also with you, I replied to ecclesiastical merriment. (laughs) And also with you. (laughs) (laughs) Then his face became grave, and he said, Darth Vader. I backed away as quickly as possible, sketched him a valedictory wave of the hand, and stumbled down the church steps into fresh air and morning sunlight. The young man pursued me. The autograph, he said politely. But that was suddenly too much for me. Not in front of the parishioners, I said. (laughs) Not in front of the parishioners is the most insane. I can't wait to be at like a really modern, mega Unitarian church. Someone being like... Oh my God, I'm a huge fan of the pod. What book are you guys doing next? Not in front of the parishioners. <laughs> You're at the like growing life evangelical megachurch in Colorado Springs. Pride flags <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and it's so Bieber. Okay, and then this iconic line, he goes, just starts a paragraph with, 
Star Wars dash no peace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> Wait, that's when they like send him, he sees some like catalog in the mail that's like an Obi-Wan like figurine. Like jar. And he's like, and I will see not a cent profit from this, nor do I wish like, to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's from like such a like National Enquirer, like buy this cookie jar for nineteen ninety five a month for seven payments. And it is so like... <laughs> hoarder obese grandma like ordering this yeah (laughs) what i did learn from wikipedia when i did a little augmented research of my own so because there's the part in the book where he was like i was listed in something of like the richest actors in england and he was like my god they completely fabricated this number four million pounds a year like if you divided that by 30 it wouldn't equal my salary not that i'm complaining and live a very comfortable modest life with marula in the countryside outside of oxford (laughs) (laughs) that was also such a funny character he was like my income's only for me and my tax preparer in the u.s (laughs) census oh i know just being so private just being like even though he kind of said what it was if you do the math he's like but i won't tell you the number i mean very british So I guess he made a deal with George Lucas because he didn't even want to do the script when he got it. He was just like, what is this like poppycock like fantasy film? Like I am a Shakespearean actor. And like George Lucas was like, but you are so like storied, like you're going to lend such a gravity. Like we really need you. And he was like, okay, I'll do it for like 10% of George Lucas's profit from the film. And then George Lucas was getting like 20% or something. So it's like, it basically worked out that Al Guinness got like, 2% of the film's box office. Oh, which must have been so much money. Which was so much money. And then, like, continuing on for, like, years. So it's just, like... He's actually being so Kardashian about it from the back end, where he's like, I'm not going to... I don't want a salary. I want 2% of revenue forever. And it's just, like... So I'm sure he made just, like, an insanely comfortable amount of money forever off that. Damn. Yeah. I mean, that's also so British being like, oh, me? I just, like, live in the countryside. And he's actually, like, has this, like, fucking dope bank account. This whole book, also, he's constantly going to plays and going to the theater and visiting a church with Marula. But a lot of times he's also, like, going solo or having a lunch with an old friend. He's so brave how much theater he sees alone. He's always meeting up with people that are, like... I mean, it's very, like, it's a friendship of lunches. This line here, he goes... 22 February, spent two nights in London last week. Lunch with Alan B, parentheses, quiet and relaxed. Dinner, parentheses, Indian, with Tom and Isabel Courtenay, a very convivial affair. Tom and I rode our hobby horses, he on computers and I on Trollope. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Riding our hobby horses. It's like 1997, in the thick of the Blair administration. And here is this just like rich old British guy just being like, so I just got my new Dell and it's... It's quite a powerful <laughs> steed. Oh, you simply must get one, Alec. And Alec is like, oh, oh, oh I couldn't possibly. But I've been reading the diaries of Trelope <laughs> <laughs> for the fourth time. Celebrity Book Club. It was that summer. That summer, I started using Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth makes elevated loungewear and amazing, luxurious, soft, bedding that surpasses even the finest hotel sheets for a restful night's sleep on your travels or at home. I love Cozy Earth so much that I got it as a present for my spouse. And the things that happened on that bed, you wouldn't believe it. I got their joggers and oh my God, it almost feels like you're nude, better than nude. It feels like you're swimming in the most luxurious ocean. So stay cool and comfy during long flights with Cozy Earth's temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew, adding mm, a touch of style to your travel ensemble. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code CBC at checkout to get 35% off. And let them know we sent you after checkout, okay? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling scented coffins or outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You know, (laughs) okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you 
everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. I'm talking Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and all your favorite DTC brands. Do you want to be a Brooklyn in business or do you want to be the sad girl selling candles on the subway? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. If you do it uppercase, it won't work. Just like your sales if you don't use Shopify. Shopify.com slash book club. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay, things I learned in this book, British stuff, cultured stuff, and then I'll get into literally my review of Star Wars because everyone's on the edge of their seat. Oh my God, everyone's on pins and fucking needles. Like still to me, it's like, as you said, you made it such a part of your identity. It's insane to me that you are someone who has seen Star Wars. Now it's like broken almost. Yeah. I'm just like, who are you? Yeah. Am I still me? Yeah. But I still haven't read or watched Harry Potter. Well, uh, and I now think I will okay. because she is a turf, and turfs are not welcome. Fuck yeah! <laughs> I mean, that would be even funnier for you at thirty-seven to start. Thirty-six. <laughs> well, I by the time you get months. around, it might be thirty-seven. <laughs> it might be thirty-seven. <laughs> Just crack open Sorcerer Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of turfs, <laughs> Alec Guinness was like so sketched that Mercutio in Romeo and Juliet on first watch was played by, like, a gay guy and kind of a drag queen. And then on second watch, he was kind of like, it was actually quite interesting. No, and I love that he went and saw that twice. He was like, it was actually so good and such a dope-ass rendition of Shakespeare. Like, I'm going back to the theater to see Baz Luhrmann's again. You know, and he was like, I thought he'd be a bit too camp. But it turns out it was a brilliant take on Mercutio. Yeah, and at first he really was just so like, oh, I see what you're doing, Boz. You're trying to make Shakespeare modern. (laughs) And then he references, like, whatever, some production of, like, Hamlet in, like, 1985, where they, like, tried to make it modern and it, like, didn't go well. And then he was like, well, actually, Miriam Margulies was amazing in it. And actually, Mercutio's performance was quite interesting. You know, I remember when I was in a play at camp once as a child, we did a version of The Labyrinth. Mm. And I played, like, the girl who's, like, the main character, obviously. And, oh, shit. And it was, like, around the time that Baz Luhrmann's Shakespeare came out. I remember, like, our drama teacher was being like, you know, people, like, say that that's not faithful to Shakespeare. Like, that's not good. But let me tell you something about Shakespeare. Shakespeare's work was contemporary. That means that it's always relevant to society. And it can be performed in any context and any time period because it still makes sense. Because the characters are contemporary. The stories are contemporary. And that really stuck with me. I said, wow, that's very true. You know, as a kid, I just didn't, when they gave you Shakespeare's I just didn't get it. I didn't get the language. Mm-hmm. And then there was like the year of the teen rom-com that was Shakespeare. Because Clueless. Ten Things I Hate About. Ten Things I Hate About You and She's All That are all Shakespeare. Yeah. Or maybe Clueless is Pride and Prejudice. But then there was O. Remember O? <laughs> o with um, Julia Stiles yes, and Mackay Pfeiffer. <laughs> the Othello adaptation. Loved that film. I took a like BBNN Shakespeare camp. Which, like, you weren't in. It was between 7th and 8th with... who And you, like, had to, like, do a play? We did Midsummer Night's Dream, and I played the lion. I had one line. Mm, Roar. (laughs) And it literally was roar. And I remember, like, someone in our class, like, telling me... This is very Alec Guinness, where people told him he was a bad actor. And I remember, like, I did my roar line, and someone was like, wow, Lily, like act much. Wait, wait, somebody dragged your roar? <laughs> yeah, somebody <laughs> dragged my lion roll, and I was just so like, this sucks. It's summer. I don't understand anything in this play. <laughs> Not a line. 
I'm doing roar. Yeah. And so that really soured you on Shakespeare even more. So then when did you come around to the to the bar or did you never? I think more. And then also, I think my first watch of Romeo and Juliet, I wasn't totally there. But I watched Romeo and Juliet kind of like in the past year. And I was like, this movie is amazing. And I did get it. And I think just knowing that like Shakespeare is always modern yeah. and that it has been adapted into She's All That, I wouldn't say I'm... A Shakespeare head. Right. I love the movie Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, that no, seems I, more your speed. <laughs> that movie is lit. <laughs> Wait, have, <laughs> you, seen the, the have you seen the movie Anonymous! Exclamation point. No. Okay, it's so good. It's about the Oxfordian, like, theory of authorship. Because there's this theory that Shakespeare didn't write the plays, that it was actually, like, the Earl of Oxford. And that Shakespeare was actually, like, the town drunk that they just used him to, like, make these plays. Because the plays were actually kind of, like, revolutionary. And they were, like, you know designed to sort of incite the populace, like, against the monarchy. Well, yeah, comment. Everyone should comment if they think Shakespeare was actually... Yeah, drop your Shakespeare authorship <laughs> theories <laughs> in the comments. Anyway. What's your favorite Shakespeare play? Oh, my God, don't make me choose, <laughs> Lily. You know I love them all, and I've read them so many times, and they're so fascinating. Um, honestly, no, I have a similar relationship where I'm just kind of like, I'm not really reading the whole thing. Macbeth was a really, I felt like I was reading Macbeth for like four years in high school. Yeah, yeah there was a lot of Macbething. I mean, I like the idea of those plays, you know, I like the power struggles and the death, the tragedy, the excitement. I think that's fun. I really liked the movie The King with um Timothy Chalamet on Netflix about Henry V. But I don't think... Mm. I haven't caught it. I, I don't know if that was even such an adaptation of the Shakespeare thing that was just like a movie. Ultimately, I don't know. Sure, Midsummer Night's Dream because there's like the gay one in it. Like Pan is in it. Right, Pan. <laughs> so I guess we have some Shakespeare work to do. But, you know, and Alec talks about in his early career how, you know, he did some plays and someone was like, you're not an actor. And yeah. it pushed him. It lit a fire. One thing insane about this book is that because he is 100 and his career spans from like literally the sinking of the <laughs> Titanic until the Tony Blair prime ministership, you're just like, he's always just being like, well, 1973, I ran into Marlene Dietrich. But in 1942, and you're always just like, wait, how are you this old? No, I know. He'll just rattle off anecdotes from literally every single period in history. It's almost like Forrest Gump in this way. Yeah, it's a little time traveler. <laughs> and then when he's just being like, me and like Kulele were having a lunch. I spilled a bottle of red wine because Americans were talking about that woman Lewinsky. And it's like, how are you here? Right. How are you here? <laughs> but you were also like doing a production of King Lear at the Old Vic, like during the London bombings. And you also were like, oh, we have to <laughs> run under the tunnels because the Germans are bombing. But then you were also like doing a production of Othello, just like in the Roaring Twenties. And then he's just like, I remember when I was at JFK's death at like the bombing of Nagasaki. Like every historical moment, he was just like, I was doing a play on vacation with Marula, watching my dog uh, when Wait, the Berlin so Wall funny when fell. He actually <laughs> When he gets mad at people, how he was like, people always are like, oh, where were you when JFK was assassinated? And he's like, how about you add, where were you during Pearl Harbor? Or where were you during right. the start of World War One? How about like, that, huh? It's like, because not everyone is 100, babe. 200 years old. <laughs> I want to talk about Greta Garbo. But wait, let's start with the Marlene Dietrich team. Oh, the Marlene Dietrich line. Marlene Dietrich, who's... My mom's like idol, and I is will say, your like, idol? oh, a little bit. I mean, she is kind of like the original, like, lesbian kind of. She's <laughs> okay. so she is, she's suits. like dense, yeah, in suits. Oh, she invented like menswear as women's wear. Okay, after all, sophisticated, worldly wise housefrau like Marlene Dietrich could convince herself that each New Year's Eve she had an assignment in the California desert with a well set of gentlemen from outer space, or so she assured me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they're at some party, like, in the desert. She could tell you the best way to roast a chicken, how to remove a coffee stain, and above all, the right pill to take to jerk you awake in the morning, ready for a day's filming. So already her just being like, yeah, she's on pills. and Speed. She, she sent me a vast pink pill after I had listened to her for hours late into the night, which activated me for two solid days and robbed me of all sleep for the remainder of the week. <laughs> Marlene Dietrich gave Alec Ben a speed. Literally speed. Well, they were all on speed then, darling. And then he goes, I liked her in spite of her vanity and her dismissal of Garbo. In quotes, my dear, she has bad skin. That's it. 
That's it. That's the end of that. Just the Marlene Dietrich just going, no, I don't like Greta Garber. No. She has bad skin. <laughs> My dear, she has bad skin. And then there was also this time where he was staying at a hotel with Jack Nicholson and he was so annoyed by the paparazzi and he was like, I need to do the Dietrich way where once she was at a hotel with Liz Taylor and Richard Burton. Yes. And then she goes to Liz and Richard, you shouldn't stay at a hotel at the same time as me. <laughs> if you don't want all this paparazzi, dear. No, this book has so many like, of that kind of hearsay where he's like, he's running into Albert Finney in the waiting room and they're sharing a ridiculous anecdote about like some other dead actor. But part of it is like this insane recall that he has where he's just so incredibly, like his depth of knowledge of the classics is so insane. He's just constantly like, I was at a church and it reminded me of a line in a Shakespeare play that reminded me of a flower that only grows in France that reminded me of a hilarious quote that Greta Garbo said to Hitler while we were like all vacationing like by accident <laughs> together. You do wonder, have we lost a sense of the classics? I mean, I do think it's terribly British of him and he is just so British and like he loves like, you know, gardens and like. Right, because they're like this book, by the way, it's not all Garbo, this Albert Finney, like half of it is like I walked into a beautiful garden and I saw a river and it reminded me of when me and Marula caught a train to Dublin and it was rainy. And then like every <laughs> essay kind of ends just like in his garden with Marula, like watching their cat like get a bird but then like the cat has to be put down because it like has pancreatic cancer or whatever the cat dying part was so beautiful where he has this cat and she's lost and she comes back and he goes she comes back and she was ecstatic and dizzy with purrs oh and then she ran upstairs to where their son was sleeping and she, like, yes. got into bed with him, and she was so excited. And then she came down, and she had her saucer of milk. Oh, wait. The part about the dog that they find that they nurse back to health with raw eggs and yes. brandy. Brandy. I was like, what? He was like, no food, just raw egg and brandy and cream. And the vet, it's like the middle of the war or whatever. And the vet was like, no, this dog will never last. Like, you have to put it down and be responsible. But Marula said, no, we will stick to the raw egg and brandy diet. And then the dog lived another 14 years. Marula knows. Okay, now whenever we're sick, we have to just do raw egg and brandy nothing Brandy else. cream. So Marula was actually a contemporary of Picasso, if I am mm. correct. Mm. Yes, she was quite the artist unto her own. And her brother was a painter as well. And there's a point where they watch some documentary on the box, as he calls it. And they were <laughs> like, and like they mentioned her brother's painting. And then it lit a fire in the Marula. And the next day she was there painting away at her easel. His vibe <laughs> reminded me not to do this again, but, you know, my father get Oedipal where it's like, mm. are you so gay? And you're like, no, you're just like a snobby British. Right. Straight person. Yes. Your father, I don't believe, was British. No, he wasn't. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, it's actually possible to be heterosexual. Yes, 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 yes. And yes, love yes. Dickens and art and gardens and tea. Well, of course, because the culture of heterosexual now is a memory. It's completely faded from the popular no. imagination, right? Now, you know, to be cultured and homosexual now, or heterosexual now, of course, means that you, I don't know, oh, you don't skip leg day, dear God. <laughs> Good <Good-dum>. deal. <laughs> <laughs> this one time when he got, like, annoyed at Marilla, I felt it was, like, so us where they were watching Wimbledon and she like insulted some tennis player. Oh, and he was like, and I thought we might be headed for divorce. But then she said, oh, no, I rather like him. And then, oh, we can trot on with another 30 years of marriage, I suppose. Am I correct <laughs> that they were sleeping in separate bedrooms during this book? Or is he referring to his office? I do remember what you're talking about. I forget what page it's on, but I, I, I do remember him being something. And so then I like decamped to this wing of the house. <laughs> But I also think that maybe that had to do with, like, an injury because, like, there's a lot of him getting, like, eye cataract surgery. Cataract surgeries, yes. He's like, I had a cataract surgery and then Marula had a cataract surgery and then there's, like, a leg and there's a call to his office. But yeah. it is quite romantic. R Marula's always putting, like, fresh flowers on his desk. It's so beautiful. Okay, the prince, Prince Charles. Well, now the king, sorry. So he's at a dinner party with the king and that's actually no that's prince edward the abdicated one who abdicated to mary oh. wallace simpson that that's the duke of windsor oh okay that makes so much more sense that it's prince edward sorry i'm not as 
because that's very like I've abdicated behavior. Like that's so Princess Margaret. It's so like when you're not in line to the throne, you can act a fool. But when you're the heir, you have to like be proper. I was like, damn, that's so rude. What we're talking about is basically that Prince Edward, he comes up to him and he's like, I want a whiskey in a small glass. And everything here is a big glass. So, And he says this to, to Alec, who's not even like one of the servants at this party. He's just there. And he sees the Duke wave away a servant with a tray. And he's like, oh, would you like something? And he's like, I want whiskey in a small glass. <laughs> <laughs> so Alec starts like searching for small glasses. And frankly, there are no small glasses at this like insane mansion that they're at. Everything is like a heavy tumbler. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Plenty of great chunky crystal tumblers, but nothing remotely small. Another flunky, to whom I did my best to explain the problem, was decidedly negative. So he'll have to settle for what they've got, I thought. I poured the whiskey and returned with it to His Royal Highness, who was clearly anxious to get on with his tale about some Maharaja. Then his eye fell on the glass. He went scarlet and exploded in what I've heard subsequently referred to as the Windsor Rage. I said a small glass, he screamed at me. A small glass, a small glass, a small glass, you fool, I told you, a small glass. (laughs) So insane. Not the Windsor Rage. Literally the Windsor Rage. And then he like apologizes later when he's leaving. Okay, wait. He's leaving. He's like, I'm sorry about my tantrum. Did you like his Dianity? Read it. Okay, I'm sorry. This part. A few years ago at a banquet for a film folk at Cannes, I was placed gloriously beside her Royal Highness Diana, Princess of Wales. Our starter to the meal was something entirely covered with kiwi fruit. The ubiquitous kiwi, I said, <laughs> wondering if I had done the wrong thing in speaking first. She turned to me very seriously and, lowering her beautiful head, muttered, Don't touch it. It's poison. Here we go again, I thought. Oh, because there had been some weird thing earlier. But I was happy to obey her. Conversation wasn't exactly wildian. <laughs> as in Oscar Wilde. We need to start using that. No, I know. Like, if someone's boring, be like... Conversation wasn't exactly wild, Ian. After some desperate brief efforts, we were mercifully distracted by four or five speeches. And I feel like that is kind of the vibe you get from every other book we've read that's like been near Diana, where they're like not coming out and insulting her, but they're just kind of implying that she is a bit dim. Yeah, like dim also is your word of the summer. (laughs) 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 It's like so 70s in this way, even like... He was a bit dim. <laughs> but I think it goes through because it's not just, she's kind of a little bit also like boring hot girl vibe. Mm-hmm. And she's nervous and she's bored and she's also just like girl that's always in a fight with her boyfriend. Yeah, I mean, literally. At a dinner and you're kind of like, okay, can we stop for a second? And yeah, she wasn't so like, repartee because that part of the thing was like she was a commoner so she wasn't like raised to be so repartee maybe although I feel like she is Kate Middleton and she wasn't like she was raised poor I thought like they did choose her because she was like a little more of society and like they thought like Camilla was like kind of too much of a like whore I mean Camilla is a whore and that's why we fucking love her but we stand her and why she's okay mother. wait <laughs> it does say she grew up in Park House situated on the Sandrinim estate. Okay, so she grew up in, like, a named home. Like, Yeah, probably- I think the whole thing, they were like, Camilla's a whore and, like, is too old and is a slut. And, like, Diana <laughs> did, like, grow up, like, classy. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, you know, your conversation wasn't exactly wild, Ian. But then he gets very, I mean, as we all did. I mean, not really us. I think we're a little too young. But he's, like, very sad when she dies. And he just, like, is yeah. so emotional. It's like, talks about the malaise of the country. But then he has the best line ever when he's talking about the memorial. And he's like, Elton John's Candle of the Wind did gut me. But it was a verse too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think it was a verse too long? Yeah, I mean, tea. The tea has been spilled all over Westminster, honey. That was a very poignant part because he was like, he has a really great way of sort of diagnosing like the entire feeling of like society at once, like through the lens of his own little yes. experience. And partly he's lucky because he is like rich and famous in Britain and is always like at dinner at 10 Downing Street. <laughs> he was like, I fear that we're entering this like era of like commoditization of celebrity and of like American culture basically like controlling Britain. And I think like that's basically what's happening now with like post Diana. And it's mm. like, oh, yeah, that's that's very much true. And, of course, I think he then saw how Diana was becoming Star Wars. 
Yeah. Like it was becoming so order your Diana plate for $20 a month for seven installments. And like celebrity and fame itself becomes more interesting to people than anything that was associated with the person who ever got famous. Where were you when she passed? (laughs) I was in the backseat of a Volvo, as many of us were in the 90s. Mm, Probably same, yeah. We were driving back from Vermont from some god-awful ski weekend where I had to (laughs) crammed into the boots and the Sturm and Drog, my goodness. And I remember my mother, you know, putting on NPR. She's wont to do. As she's wont to do. And and just shaking her head. I think she said something like, this is going to change the world. Things will never be the same. You know, I was in the back sort of like fighting for my brother or something. I was like, I didn't really care. But I could see she was affected. Her pain. Yes. And, you know, and they were speaking wow. very somber tones on the radio. Yes. As they want to do over there at NPR. <laughs> Where were you when JFK was assassinated? <laughs> yeah, I was getting off my shift at Chili's. <laughs> the, the first Chili's. <laughs> the very first Chili's. Yes. I was at Applebee's when they dropped the bomb on Nagasaki. <laughs> <laughs> and I was drafting plans for the first Olive Garden when World War I started. <laughs> okay, I do kind of like his politics throughout, how he's always just like throwing in that he's like, when all the veterans turn their back on like, the Japanese emperor when he visits in like the 90s and he's just like, okay, World War II is 50 years ago. Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to still be like being dramatic about like the Japanese leadership, like doing a state visit. Like wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) He also is so funny in being so libs, which I thought was like more of a modern thing. He's always being so, oh, damn libs. Well, that's just the name of a party in Britain. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I thought he was being so the lib, like the lib I'm owning the libs. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm learning so much, and this is why it's important to read. Yes, please read British authors to learn about their culture. <laughs> okay, this was my other like big learn. He keeps on talking about David Copperfield, and I was like, "Are you really talking about the Manchester?" <laughs> out it's a Charles Dickens book (laughs) I was like that's so weird that Alec Guinness is obsessed with David Copperfield the way that in this one book you did like four years of high school (laughs) (laughs) no literally y'all don't go back to high school just read this one sort of romp of an essay collection (laughs) one romp of diaries it is true it feels very Matt Damon where I'm just so like yeah, you don't need to go to Harvard. Read one Alec Guinness <laughs> book and actively read it. If you don't understand something, look it up. Yes, active reading. Wikipedia on one screen, Kindle on the other. So yeah, right before, we need to get into segments, but I guess here we go. Star Wars. Oh my God, what did you think? I thought it was beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was a beautiful film. Visually, that was most, I want to see it on the big screen. I was amazed at the sets. I was amazed at the production design, costume design. And you know what's cool is I I think like most of the films you see are not built like that anymore. And so it was probably super Mm -mm. exciting for you because like one of the greatest things about Star Wars, I think it looks so much better than the special effects you see nowadays. Those are all miniatures. Every ship, they built that in miniature. Like, so it's something real they're actually filming. And I think it makes such a big difference. Well, and what was upsetting, what I learned from my girlfriend, who has worked on a lot of Star Wars licensed products and books, is <laughs> in the new edition, they like CGI'd in some like dinosaurs oh. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 they did. And yeah. it takes you out. You're like, this is so beautiful that it's like Chewbacca's a miniature and like R2-D2 and like these crazy landscapes and these like 70s recreations of like ships of like all the modern space stations and then it's the cgi dinosaur i'm like i don't need to be universal studios right now and it's so obvious the cgi like it's just so out of place and the aesthetics of all the ships it's so cool in 70s with like the big lights and the big buttons i love like the bar i mean mosaicly cantina i wow i mean look at the way i'm so i'm like what my heart is so full that you are excited by the aesthetics of that because like it's so informative and I'm glad you think it's cool. Well, and also I see why you, I mean, next up, because I remember in middle school, you like getting to stay up late and go at midnight or something to see the Natalie Portman Mm -hmm. release. And you're such a Portman head. And you were just like, wow, you're such a loser. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I was like, wait, Chewbacca's hilarious. No, Chewbacca's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, also, I will say, I mean, those first ones are really funny. Like, the later ones are not, don't have that humor. Like, it's almost a comedy. It's like... It literally is a comedy, and it's like RTG2 being so, like, beep, 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 and they're like, shut up, you. <laughs> and, like, Harrison Ford is so funny and charismatic. And I felt like Harrison Ford, like, invented being kind of the action star that says one kind of funny sassy thing in like a John Cena the Rock way. I mean Harrison Ford absolutely opened the door for John Cena. There's no question that John Cena stands on Harrison Ford's shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) And then of course Alec Guinness in his robe, he does lend a gravity to it. Yes, he does because I think that's what makes it not the so like sci-fi is like you do have this very wise... Man. You need one British accent in there. Stage actor. Yeah. And then also, I was being like such an idiot. (laughs) Darth Vader, I was like, wait, I know that voice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, right, it's James Earl Jones, literally the most famous voice in the world. (laughs) God, you've learned so much in the past few days. It's beautiful to see a young mind get molded, a middle aged mind get molded. Celebrity Book Club. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon Serum. This next-generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just 40 that includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. A positively final segment. How does she live? What does she wear? What does she eat? Okay, what does she eat? You know... He says at one point that he's like, me and Marula like to gobble up our food. <laughs> Fast. Yes, they eat quite quickly. So this is so funny. He's like, oh, Marula's the cook. But he, like most old white people, gets into like Asian cooking late in life. Yes. And he buys this like wok cookbook. And it is cute. He is being so like, Marula, you have the night off. Like, I'm gonna. And he makes like a really spicy like celery soup or something like that. And it's, like, way too hot. And, like, they're definitely also cooking Indian meals at home. That's very British. They're also very, like, coffee at 11 p.m. Like, you have coffee before bed. Right. (laughs) Because he's always also, like, seeing a show and, like, maybe sometimes having dinner after the show at, like, midnight. And then calling on a good friend in Paris. And so, like, weirdly going to bed at 3 a.m. and being such a partier, but then also going to bed at 8 p.m. in the country after, like, a pheasant stew at 5. Right. And I feel like when he is theater alone, he'll be, like, 
just having a hotel and Marula won't be there. And he's like, well, I went to my hotel room and I had a sandwich and a beer. (laughs) And then I finished the end of a good program on television. And then I devoured the Bible or like some book (laughs) that happened to be there. I mean, I love this scene when he's like at some production and everyone has like hay fever and everyone's sneezing and he just leaves at intermission because he's like, I don't want to be all these sneezing bitches. He's like, this is too loud. (laughs) It's just gross. Wait, what was the food part? When he's like, I think also he's like older and he's being like, my appetite isn't so much. And he's just being like, sometimes I just have a hard-boiled egg. Yeah. And that's also like old people like don't need to eat as much anymore. Like they're just eating like a salad and an egg. They're picking at it. Yeah. I feel like he didn't drinks in this British way where he's like never really like getting drunk. But like. But he is having martinis. He's always like at someone's house while they're making martinis. And like he drinks the whiskey out of the massive chalice that the Duke of Windsor doesn't want <laughs> after he says no. So like he's drinking. I think he's just actually quite good at like moderation yes and for someone who is able to memorize like eighty thousand lines of shakespeare i think that makes sense you know definitely definitely what does he wear i've like imagine him in just like a tweed suit every day but i don't think he is suit every day that's so crazy well not every day but he talks about going to that place for lunch and how it's tie required and he was being like finally oh yeah i mean he's like traditional i mean he's like uh at one point he's like it's it's awful that hats aren't required men anymore and, you know, like, when everyone wore a hat, those are the good days. Wait, did you also catch that part where he's, like, at a certain time in, like, the 20s in Piccadilly Square, if you were smoking a cigar and you ran into a woman that you know, you had to put out the cigar? Wait, yes, that was so insane. So he was like, oh, there was this one bar where, like, men could finally smoke in peace and women wouldn't tell them to put it out. Was it because women were like, don't smoke? Or was it just like, it was rude to smoke in front of a woman? I think it's cigars, because, like, women are so puff-puff. Right, they were in olden times. But, like, cigars was, like, just too crass, too thick. Yeah, it's so crass to smoke a cigar in front of a woman. Oof. Absolutely not. How does she live? Yeah, country home. I imagine it is kind of, like, dusty and dark and minimal, but different, like, a lot of little uncomfortable chairs and little uncomfortable couches. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of velvet couches and, like, it's floor-to-ceiling frames of, like, old little paintings that Marula has done, that her brother has done, that, like, Lady Diana Cooper gave to him after a terrible luncheon in Normandy. But I got a darling little painting out of it. And it sits in my grand side study, the one that Marula only goes into when she's feeling ill. <laughs> yes. And then I feel he's like, and then in our south dining room, it was too hot in the garden. So I moved our table and I'm putting like, a, there's like a lot of different random little linens they're putting on tables. Yeah, and like, no, they're always like dressing a table for breakfast and then for tea and then for lunch. And it's just the constant dressing and undressing of tables. I mean, it's wood. Everything's wood. And like, they have like such an aga stove, but like the British aga, like it's... Old. Unless do you think that they did just a 1994 Renault and like they did get a Viking stove? Yes. I think there was an early 90s or late 80s Renault. Yeah, sorry, late 80s Viking because they're always having like their kids and the grandkids, the great grandkids over. And I think the like the kids are like, Dad, you have to get a Viking. Like, yes. We're doing like a big, big roast. <laughs> okay, who are you in the book? I think you're Alec. I just, like, I always have this fear of not memorizing all my lines. Mm, Same. He has such recall, though. I mean, his knowledge is so deep. I just, I read this book and I was so taken with the writing. I was so inspired by it. But I felt like his knowledge base was just so intimidating. I was like, I can't remember every painting, every song, every book ever created. But I think he had other diaries. I feel like he's just kept a diary his whole life and these are his Mm. later diaries and he maybe was cross-referencing some old stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I thought you were Alec in a way when you are just being so like, uh, like Lady Diana Cooper is such a queen and I was like sat next to like this boring person at dinner. Yeah, he kind of has this like gay guy like crush on Lady Cooper just being like she's so <laughs> fab <laughs> and like everyone else is boring. But then I guess he wasn't you when Greta Garbo was like what do you think of 18th century French furniture and he's like I couldn't recall a thing that was French. That was the straightest thing he said. He was like yeah. I have no idea what French furniture is. <laughs> but I kind of think he meant it in like a British way just being like oh, oh like, oof, the, French. the French yeah they're good for two things wine and more wine <laughs> <laughs> 
their taste in furniture is dastardly. Are you the friend who, when he's in his cups, goes out the porthole of an ocean liner and drowns? <laughs> he was in his cups. And I think he just thought he would come to deck. And uh, yeah, he drowned. What a fine actor he was. Okay, I'm him, or I also thought I was the loud American talking about Monica Lewinsky. Oh, absolutely. That you were just being spell. like, wait, Fetch, did you hear the latest fucking tea? Linda fucking trip? Like, while you're on vacation in the south of France, and he's just like, I cannot with these American voices. And there's like a British person behind me giving me this most scowly look. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> Well, what a wonderful book. And I want to thank you, Stephen, and thank the Madiket Mall for recommending, you know, it was such a delight. Honestly, I think I'm giving this book a rare five tiny whiskey glasses out of five. It was lovely and brisk. I mean, perhaps I could have used even more, you know, I guess like, I don't know, the childhood or whatever, but fuck, well, actually, whatever. No, I don't need the childhood. Like The thing is, no, it's like he has three other memoirs. That's why it's not childhood, which is what I kind of loved about it's it. It's so confident. And I just was so taken with the way that he, it's not trying hard at all. It's like incredibly pretentious. It's naturally pretentious. Yes. He's not actually trying to make some deep point ever. And yet it feels very profound throughout. At the end, he does make a point about acting. And, no, and I give it... <sighs> Five Japeths aging dogs on a brandy diet out of five because I'm, I have kind of no notes. I'm like yeah. laughing out loud and almost in the way when people are like, what? You're kind of like, <laughs> you wouldn't understand. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> and it's such a joy to see someone so authentically themselves. And I think it mm. is something that comes with age. And we read so many memoirs lately that, you know, people write because they just recently got famous and they come out and like, you know, this is more the classic. You're looking back on your life and... I mean, it's about death in many ways. He has lots of friends who die in it, and he's just being very contemplative. It's a vision of the future when you have fr all your friends are dying. The acceptance of that. Yes. I know there's so many times where he's like, oh, I wish I kissed her on the cheek for after dinner. She passed two days later. Yes, and it is about this sort of radical acceptance of the passage of time and looking at it like with love and gratitude and appreciation, but also acknowledging when you are being a prick and he is a little bitch about Star Wars, but he's kind of like, and I know I'm... I'm kind of a little bitch about it. And he does admit In it. In all of that acceptance, there is this just beautiful calm. And he's making peace with his own death by writing this book, being like, yes, I know I'm going to go soon. And it's been lovely. And he doesn't even have to say that because that's like the thesis. It's already in there. No, it's already kind of the, the subtle tone of it. So go to your local dump <laughs> and find it. Find, find this, this book. book. By Alec Guinness. And please go to linktree.com slash pod and buy tickets for our upcoming tour on the West Coast and the East Coast, you do not want to miss Portland, it. Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Boston, Massachusetts. Starting September 7th, you want to be there. Best. Best. This production of Celebrity Book Club at the Old Vic, of course, was produced in the Royal Air Force by Darby Masters, who had a huge success in London, but didn't exactly set the Hudson on fire in New York. <laughs> the supervising producer, Sir Abu Zafar. We were mates in the war, the War of 1910. And then we ended up acting together in the West End. This production was executive produced by Lady Christina Everett. I did a production of Hamlet with her in 1942, and well, we've been chums and co-workers ever since. Well, the theme song was done by the most lovely musician who is from Germany, I believe, Stephen Phillips Hall. Yes, but he did. He had a quick stint at the Royal Court, and then, of course, uh, that being old guard, moved on to the West End, after all, and did a good run of the show for about six weeks, I believe, before there was a fire. Oh, my, my, my. The artwork, of course, is by Teddy Blanks, who is a, in Marula's cohort from the 40s of the modernist and cubism movement. A darling fellow, though I was always suspicious that he wanted Marula for his own. The podcast was originally birthed while on vacation in Crete. Of course, there was nothing to do back then but a small village that served lunch and then closed shop for about seven hours. And so we were there sipping our tea rather slowly, I might add, when we concocted the idea with prologue projects. And the rest, as they say, is history. This might be crass to mention, but would you please rate us on Apple Podcasts? It means so much and it boosts our egos. 
And of course, you know, it lets other people know this podcast out there. And I don't think it's wrong to admit having that desire. And of course, the one last thing that I want to remind you is it's embarrassing. And I know that I'm nothing but a digital panhandler right now. But if you go to patreon.com slash CBC The Pod, there's more content there. I mean, there's another whole play every week. And I think it's really important to support the arts at this stage, especially when the government is doing so much to trample on our freedom of expression. Goddamn Tony Blair and his stupid war in Iraq, healing for the Americans like a dog. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.